Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. We're going to turn to Luke 7, chapter 36. I mean, Luke 7, verse 36. We're going to read the word, we're going to pray, and we're going to jump right in. Amen? One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. This is talking about Jesus. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she, when she learned that, she was recli- that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's home, brought an alabaster flask of anointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman is touching him, for she is a sinner. Let's pray. Jesus, I lift you up here today. And I thank you for everything you have done up to this point in our lives, in our church community, in our personal lives, oh God. And I thank you, oh God, that you are not looking for the prim and proper, oh God, but you are looking for those who are broken and willing to lift up your name, oh God. I thank you for everyone that is here. I thank you that we are able to praise you and lift you up. Father, that it may be all of you, none of me. All of you and none of me. I thank you for entrusting me with such a special, just for allowing me, Lord. A woman just as me, oh God. I just thank you, oh God, and I thank you, oh Lord, because the humidity has gone down and we are basking in about 80 degree weather. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Amen. All right. So some of you know and some of you don't know that I have three children. And these are my pride and joys. I know he looks like a man, but he is not. And I'm not that young, right? Amen. So we have my 18-year-old, who we just dropped off at college last week. I have, we all know this little... Jesus lover right here, Amariah. So this is Zachariah, bear with me, Amariah, right, who's four and I'm believing on the anointing in her life as well that Jesus is going to use that mouth of hers to lift them up. <laughs> Amen. All that sassiness, I, I see it, guys. I, I see Jesus, I see the Lord, and I'm like, Lord, this is my prayer that her sassiness is going to be, place her in a place of evangelism in a place where she is going to unapologetically lift up your name. I'm declaring it. We've declared it from the beginning. We're going to keep on declaring it. And it's funny because I just realized this too. My older son is also a debater. He's not good in his studies. 
But all his teachers have said this to me, that can be a lawyer. They're like, because he debates and he knows his stuff. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, because you have given me two children who will unapologetically lift you up. Yes, and sometimes it's evident at home, too. It's all very exciting, guys. Then we have Jeremiah, who is going to be eight years old. And uh, he's my middle child. And, you know, the middle, child's always, the middle children always get a bad rap, right? We always, people always say you forget about the middle child. But today we're going to talk about my middle child. This is Jeremiah. And, Je- <laughs> and Jeremiah, um, from the womb, when I found out I was pregnant with Jeremiah, we have continuously prayed over him. Uh, believing that God was also going to use him in some type of evangelistic ministry um, and holding steadfast to that, knowing that he was going to be something spectacular, right? So, I mean, all three of them are, but we're bigging up my my middle child today, right? So just a real quick, when I was pregnant with him, my mother wanted a girl. She's always wanted a girl. I only had the Zach. So my mom, when she found out that I was having a boy, she was like, oh, man, we're having another boy? What am I doing with that? I said, well, mom, nothing to do. He's coming, right? But when he, if you guys know my mom, she's very no hair on her tongue type of woman, right? She speaks when she comes into her brain, no type of filter. I have to bow my head sometimes. I have to apologize for her sometimes. It's really crazy. But when Jeremiah was born, the woman who didn't want another boy saw him, and immediately she tells me, and if you talk to her, she'll tell you. She gets teary-eyed. Immediately she says, something hit my heart. Boom. And that was it. And I fell in love. And I was like, really, Mom? She's like, yeah, you know, I don't know what it is. You know, she, she always wanted a little girl from me, so when Amariah came, she was like, oh, you're having a girl. But she's like, but Jeremiah's always going to be my number one. We didn't forget about Zach. Zach was a different time, different circumstances. We worked through that issue already with her, but she loves him too. She covered his college, so we good right here. (laughs) Thanks, Mom, because I'm going to have her hear this. So as Jeremiah started growing up, there was, this, there was times that me and him would get on a bus together, and it was our routine, right? I would take him to the babysitter. I would go on to work, and we caught the same bus every day, every morning. And I'm like, all right. And Jeremiah has always been very friendly. He's always smiled at everybody. He, goes up to, he used to go up to people. He hugs them. He, you know, he says good morning. He's always been very polite. It was so bad that Pastor Roe one time was like, yo, Jeremiah's like the friend of strangers. He talks to everybody. I said, you know, I said, he does. And, you know, and us as parents, we're like, we don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We're trying to figure it out because, you know, there's people who aren't so nice and aren't so great, you know, and, and we worry. But and then I started thinking, I said, wait a minute, Lord. I said, we, we prayed for this. We prayed that one day he would be this kid who was going to be your evangelist and he was going to do all these things that he was going to be able to touch people, you know. And so this, the, the, our bus ride in the morning, we, I was on vacation, right, because I went on vacation. I came back a week later, and all the people on the bus were like, oh, my gosh, we thought something happened to him. I'm like, but what do you mean? 
And they're like, no, you don't understand. Every time he gets on the bus in the morning, 7 a.m., we look forward to seeing him. He's always smiling. He says, good morning. They were like, there's just some type. Some lady stopped. After that, some lady was like, she sat next to me. Some lady who never spoke to me before in my life. She sat next to me. She's like, you don't understand. He has this glow, this glory about him, what she used, really. And she was like, this light. So at that precise moment, I was like, oh, because you don't know. I said, when he was in my room, we prayed to God that he would be the one that he would be able to lift up the name of Jesus. I said, I said, just so you know, it's not because of him, but because we prayed this over his life. And, you know, for most people, they're like, oh, wow, that's so good. You know, that's so good because he does have this going. I'm like, yeah, amen, amen. But Jeremiah never, he always kept himself as a friend of strangers, and that's why we dub him, you know. Anybody he's ever encountered, uh, no exaggeration, they're all like, oh, my gosh, there's something about him. And, you know, for the, and we've tried to figure out where he gets this from because me and John are pretty friendly too. I will talk to anybody. I've been goofed on about that, but hey, whatever works, right? I'll talk to anybody in the grocery store, walking with somebody. I'm, I'm that type of person. And that's a gifting all by itself, you know, to be able to talk to people and, and, and to kind of engage people in, in a situation. And... I believe that that's something that, a characteristic that Jesus also had. Jesus had that ability to kind of come into a place and penetrate this, his environment in such a way that people would want to come to him, right? People want to come to him. And, and it's funny because I, as I started thinking about this story, I said, we're good with people, me, me and myself, I'm good with people really until I have to deal with their brokenness. Guilty? The only one? Wow, you guys are way holier than me. Until I have to deal, I've come to that realization, and I tell the Lord, I said, Lord, until I really have to deal with people's brokenness, like, mm. Last week, uh, my notes say yesterday, but it wasn't yesterday, it was last week. I saw, there was a car in front of me, and I, and I saw the car, and I said, it, it had like a broken tail light, and some things were broken. And some, this thought came into my head, and I said, and we're, I said, us as people, we're good with throwing things out that are broken. We're real good. I'm one. I torture my kids. They you go into the toy closet. If I'm up to here after three months of saying, hey, clean it up, pick it up, do something with it, I give them the garbage bag and say, now go throw out your toys. I don't know how that's going to affect them when they get older, psychologically, but that's what I do. I'm like, it's garbage, throw it out. It's been on the floor, throw it out. It's gar you, it, oh, you missing pieces? Throw it out. Let's go. I've gotten rid of four or five garbage bags of stuff. John is like, oh, but you should make them double check it. Nope, nope, no double checking. It's broken. It's been on the floor. Let's go. We can ship it right out. And you know what's funny is that the woman in this story, the sinful woman, she doesn't even have a name. And that's exactly what the Pharisee was saying about her. It's broken. In the story, the, the simple woman is a woman, and the, some translations said that she was a prostitute, and it says she was a woman of the city. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty, it could be pretty accurate. And, he, and she go, and they say, you know, if he only knew the brokenness that he's dealing with right here, if he only knew the garbage that he's dealing with right here, if he only knew that the floor is probably where she belongs because she's broken and she's garbage and she can be thrown out with the trash, that's what, that's what she can do. That's what, that's what she is. And the woman is just a woman who understands 
her brokenness, right? And it's funny to me because in these stories that we have heard throughout the weeks about Jesus walking in and being a friend of sinners, the story always shifts because Jesus is one who is not afraid to go into the broken area. Jesus is not afraid to go into the garbage and pick out the diamond. He is not afraid to do that because in almost every story that we have heard, the shift is always shifted. It's, never, it's no longer about the woman or the person. It's always about look what Jesus is doing because if he only knew. Look what Jesus is doing. The attention shifts. And that to me is an amazing feat because if the attention shifts from who we are and how broken we are to Jesus, and he is still willing to have our back in the midst of that, how can we not praise him and lift him up? The story is always, you know, I'm, I'm very big on my statement about the, the, the characters change. The story is always the same. The story is always the same. Nothing is new under the sun. We know Ecclesiastics talks about it. There is nothing new that can surprise Jesus. There is nothing that can occur in your mind that is new to him. So he is in this story with this woman. Not that he didn't know she was coming, right? Can we all agree there? He knew she was coming, right? And the Pharisees comes out and says, you know what, if he knew... He wouldn't even let him touch her, right? How many times have we left our old life behind, walk into a new life, and you hear people in the background, oh, 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 now you're going to church. Oh, now you know Jesus. Oh, but don't you, but, but, didn't, you, but didn't you remember that two weeks ago you were, didn't you remember that just last night you were? And in the Pharisee's mind, that's exactly what was going on. Oh, you don't know what she just did last night. You don't know what she just did this morning. You don't know that she was just standing in the corner hanging out, waiting for her next John to come around so she can handle her business. And, and in my mind, I'm like, wow, Lord, like they're questioning you. They're questioning you about this. I said, but isn't it beautiful that Jesus, Jesus just stood there and, was, and allowed her to do, allow her to wash his feet. Because, you see, the stature of a person is very important, right? In our society, it goes the same way. The stature of a person is very important. If you're considered not worthy, then you're considered not worthy. If you're considered worthy, then you're considered worthy. In this very chapter, if you go up a few, there's a, there's a man, the centurion man, who's also speaking, who also sends his people. And it was interesting to me because... This gives a big description about the stature of the centurion man. And he says this, he goes, now the centurion had a servant who was sick. And at that point of death, we, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him the elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when, and when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, he is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation, and he is the one who has built our synagogue. The elders of the church went to Jesus and said, hey, you need to do this for this guy. Because you don't understand, he's worth this. He's worth this. He built, he built our, 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 our synagogue. He loves us. He does for us. He's, he deserves you to, 
to heal his servant. He deserves this. Look how much he's worked for it. You don't understand, teacher. Look how much he's done for this. You don't understand how he has pleaded with us and has fought for us and has done all these things for us. And he says, he's the one who did it. So you need to do this for him. You need to have this, uh, this done. And, you know, in our society, unfortunately, our society thinks the same of people, right? We marginalize people by what, what they bring to the table and what they're worth to us, right? We marginalize people by how they act or how they don't act or what they do and what they don't do, you know? And I was, and I was looking at this and I was like, wow, Lord, I said, that's another thing. I said, this was in a crowd of people, right? The elders came to Jesus. Jesus was walking. He was, they were with him. A few verses down, there's another person who needs Jesus. Another person who needs Jesus, and it talks about the woman who's a widow. Jesus kind of walks into this procession, I guess it's called, like this, of, of, because she was a widowed woman. And he says, and Jesus went with them when he was not far from the house of Centurion sent friends. Ooh, no, the widow. Do we have that there? In either, the widow, there's a, there's a widow woman who's burying her only child, her only male child. So here it goes. He goes, soon after he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. Again, a crowd, right? We had the elders in a crowd. We had this woman in a crowd. And he drew near to the gate of the town. Behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. And when I read this, I said, wow, Lord, I said, of course she deserves for her son to be healed, right? And not just healed, that's resurrected, <laughs> right? She deserves this because, Lord, like, you know, poor woman as a mother, I can't even imagine losing a child. And then she's here, and that's her only child, and you see her stature would have fallen significantly if she no longer had a man in her household because their women were considered second-class citizens. So it's like, Wow, Lord, like, yeah, I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do without this. What, what do you do? But again, it was, it, it, it was in a crowd of people, and people were like, yeah, you, she deserves this, you know? My mind is like, yeah, the centurion deserves it because of all he did. She deserves it because of all she did. And then a few verses down, we go to, we find Jesus with the sinful woman, also in a crowd, but nobody came to this sinful woman's aid. Nobody said, hey, she deserves to wash your feet. Hey, she deserves to be healed. Hey, she deserves for you to talk to her and be a friend to her. Hey, nope, nope. The Pharisee said this, if you only knew. If you only knew. I started thinking to myself, I said, wow, Lord. I said, this is crazy because you... We have two different standards here. Our human standards would put her out with the trash and her brokenness. Our human standards would heal the centurion servant because he has done so much. Our human standards would heal this woman who lost her only child because we have compassion. I said, but your, but your standard is at a whole other level because you say, yeah, yeah. 
The centurion, he deserves, he deserves, I'll give it to him. Yeah, the woman, the woman who lost her son, he, she deserves for her son to be resurrected. But Jesus is also saying today, the sinful woman, she deserves to be restored because his, because his standard is way different than ours, way above ours, and his thoughts are way better than ours. So it's like, wow, Lord. So it's like, the God's standard becomes this. We see, we start to be, see people through Jesus' eyes and we say this, Lord, forgive the ungodly, the sinner, the prostitute, the adulterer, the prideful, the liar, the manipulator, the one who hates us for they know not what they do. You begin to get, you begin to say for yourself, when you, when that transfer begins to occur, you begin to say to yourself, for God so loved the world, Jesus saves, he heals, he opens up their eyes, he is love, he will sustain, he will provide, he will restore, he will transfer, transform, he will give, shed the light, replace the brokenness with his goodness, his mercy, and his righteousness. You see, the woman, her position without Christ dictated to her what she was worth, not only to herself, but to the world. But his position dictates to us and the world what we are worth. His position being the Savior, the Messiah, the one who has come to transform and to save what is lost. His position, his position, no longer is it focused on us. It is all focused on Jesus. It has always been focused on Jesus. It will always be focused on Jesus. Your haters will be your haters regardless. Your haters will be your haters regardless. If you guys only knew, when me and John started dating, you, know, you guys, I, I didn't pass this with him, but, you know, it's his testimony, it's our testimony, it's all woven in. But my husband was a big-time drug addict. You don't see it now, right? That's all Jesus. <laughs> guys, I'm not talking about recreational stuff. I'm talking about hardcore, down-to-the-wire stuff. We have gone through the ringer. And I'll never forget the day that his aunt said this to me. You're with Johnny? Mm. Don't waste your time because he's not going to become anybody. Don't waste your time because he's never going to be. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. You're a good girl. You can walk away from this right now. And I said to myself, I said, okay. And that's what Jesus hears, I can imagine, over and over and over again when new people, when he comes in to save his lost children. You know, and I can see him standing there and saying, oh, no, 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 no. But you don't see the potential I've placed within them. You don't see what they're going to be in the future. You don't see what I see. You see them through this contentious, this idea. You see them broken and they're, and, and they're garbage. But no, I see them because I know what I gave for them. I know what I did for them. I know that in the very beginning, I breathed life into them. And that has never changed. Your image of God, your image, being made in the image of God has never changed. Regardless of what you have done, regardless of what you still do, regardless of what you do tomorrow, regardless of what you have when you walk out those doors. The image of God, your image, you're made in his image, it will never change. Fast forward, we, we accept Christ. Then those murmurs came. Oh, he's just faking it. He's just faking it. Like the Pharisees. Oh, if Jesus only knew. 
who John was. If Jesus only understood that he was a sinful man. And Jesus says, no. But if only you knew that I gave my life for him. But if only you knew that I breathed life into him. That if only you knew before a, any type of drug touched his body, I chose him from the, before the foundations of this earth. If only you knew. And I'm here to tell you today that, yeah, yeah, you may have gone through it. You may have gone through it. But your position does not, your position does not change in Christ, not because of what you've done or what I've done or what we will continue to do, but because of what Jesus did, because of what he continues to do, because he continues to restore, because he continues to love, because he continues, continues to want to be with you. He just continues. He continues. You're worth it. You're worth it. It says Luke 12, 6, and 7. This blew my mind. I went insane. I called Reuben. Everybody was up in a mountain retreat. I said, Reuben, I need to share this with you. I said, listen to this. It's Luke 12, 6, and 7. It says this. Are not five sparrows. We're talking about birds. Sold for pennies. Right here. And not one of them is forgotten by God. We throw pennies to the floor, right? Eh, Lord, I don't need this. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them are forgotten before God. Not one of them are forgotten before God. He says, why even the hairs on your head, the ones that we lose every time we pass a brush, the ones that we lose every time we go like this, the ones that we lose, he says, those are numbered. Those are disposable. They're replaceable. And he goes, and not one of them is forgotten. Fear not, you are more of value. You're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says this. Amplified verse says, while we were still helpless, powerless to provide for our salvation. At the right time, Christ died as a substitute for the ungodly. Now it is an extraordinary thing for one to willingly... Give his life even for an upright man. So in other words, we would think about it. Right? We would think about it. If something were to happen to somebody who you know has been a treasure trove in the society, you would think about it. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. This can't happen to that person. You would jump in. He, says, he goes like this. He goes, extraordinary thing. One willingly would give his life for an upright man, though perhaps for a good man, one who is noble and selfless and worthy, someone might even dare to die. But God clearly shows and he proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, God died for us. And when I read that, you know, we've heard that verse a thousand times over. When, when I read that, I said, oh, Lord. I said, Jesus, you evened out the playing field. Because even when we were still sinners, you died for us. Now, so if nobody ever thought about dying for you, guess what? Jesus already did. Because he evened out the playing field for you. So if he said, if a man who is noble, you would think about it. Jesus said, you're not noble. You're not worthy. But I will. I will because I will make you worthy. Because I know what I have bestowed upon you. I know what I have done. I know how much I love you. I know how much I want to be with you. I know. So he's saying, hey, I'll do it. I evened out the playing field. 
There's no more. There's no more of the worthy and unworthy, the just and the unjust. He's saying, I did it. I evened it out for you. I evened it out for you. Titus, I, I, I need you guys to understand that what you are worth to Jesus is far more than you can ever imagine. It says Titus 3, 4 to 7 says this, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the works done by us, in righteousness, not because of what I've done. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God it's never about me. That's an empty place to be. I grew up in the church, performance-based all the way. What are you doing for God? What are you going to do for God? What are you going to do for God? What do you mean you're not doing that for God? What? Are you... What? What? It came to a point where we shared this before where I've told God, you know what? My teenage years, my young adulthood, I told God, I said, you know what? I am not worth your time. Can you imagine one of your kids telling you they're not worth your time? I'm not worth this, Lord. I promise you, I said this to the Lord, I'm not worth this. I'm never going to be what you need me to be. I'm never going to get to where I need to go. I'm, not gonna do, I'm never going to be good enough to get there. So don't worry about me. I'll figure this out. And I walked away. I walked away for years. Years. But Titus reminds us, says, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Not justified by what Meiling has done or hasn't done. Not justified about what Meiling is going to do or not going to do. But justified by Jesus Christ who died for us. Because we already learned in Romans that he already evened out that playing field. It's no longer about us. You know what? I'm going to give you guys a newsflash. It was never about you. We don't want that pressure. I learned that a long time ago. I learned that a few years ago. I don't want that pressure. Praise Jesus that it's never concerned about, it's never dependent on me. My feelings flow, you guys, like you wouldn't believe. It's never about me. And when we go to the woman of the sinful woman, it, has ne it was never about her. And it's funny to me because... As I started paralleling the stories between the woman and the centurion, I said, Lord, man, I said, the centurion goes on to say this. He says, he says to Jesus, he sends his elders to tell Jesus, if you just say the word, this will happen. Because I also have people under my authority who will come and go. Right? The story says that. He goes, I have people under my authority who do what I say to them. In my mind, I was like, wow, Lord, I said, the centurion who has a stature in the society really doesn't have much worth of himself. Because he's like, don't even bother coming. But if you say the word, because I know I'm a man of authority, I know that if you say the word because you're a man of authority, all of this will be resolved. And then yet, and he was held in high stature. So he was held as being one who was worthy of, of that servant being healed. 
the woman, the, the sinful woman in her brokenness went to Jesus in a sign of, I'm not worthy, right? Kneeled down by his feet. And yet they both understood that it was only Jesus who can resolve and transform what they needed to have happen. So we may have some idea about what we, what we are worth to God, but Jesus evened out that playing field. And there's something to be said about somebody who comes to Jesus' feet who may not be deemed worthy and somebody who is far. And it reminded me of when the psalm says that he is near to the brokenhearted because the centurion man was still brokenhearted and the sinful woman was also brokenhearted. So it doesn't matter how far you yell out to Jesus. Because he doesn't, he does not, he's not worried about what you did or what you do or what you don't do. He's worried about, hey, I'm here to save you and to restore you and to be with you and to transform you. And, and I want this intimate relationship with you. And it's crazy because I'm like, Lord, this is pretty insane. And I was thinking to myself today, isn't it funny how the Pharisees... Point, point their finger at the sinful woman. And that's what happens to us too, right, in our lives. People start pointing fingers at us. Guys, I have a severe, not a severe, I am managing my anger issues, okay? I know you don't see it, sunshine all the time, but I'm pretty bad sometimes. So as I have allowed God to kind of work in me in that area, you know, because I'm not saying that I've given it all up. Some things hurt, you know. But there's things that I'm like, all right, Lord, I'll lay this down. And then I see other people, me personally. I see other people with anger issues, and I'm like, oh, they don't got it together yet? How long have they been serving the Lord? Right? That's just being transparent, right? Those are my thoughts. I wouldn't, I, please don't. Those are just my thoughts. I don't share that with anybody. Those are things that I think. Immediately, you know, God is like, really? We're pointing fingers? No, I'm joking. So, and then I thought about this sinful woman, and I said, the Pharisees like, she's a sinner. As if the Pharisees was without sin. And then I think about their history. So a Pharisee is a man of the law, right? A man who understands the law, who follows the law. And then I started thinking about the Old Testament. I said, wait a minute, Lord. Don't you have a whole book dedicated, <laughs> Hosea, where you talk about Hosea and Gomer, and you have this whole book dedicated to how Israel has been a sinful bride? <laughs> I was like, and the Pharisees standing there like, oh, if you only knew. Homeboy, your whole country's past is uh, one big thing. But the beauty of God is this. He's never said to them, well, look at what you did. Jesus, God is still saying in the Old Testament, hey, but if you were to repent and understand and, and turn back to me and follow me, hey, I love you. I will be here with you. We will walk through every situation you can think of. That's Old Testament. Follow jump New Testament where Jesus is looking at him like, oh, really? Allow her to do this. Allow her to do this. At the end of it all, Jesus tells her that she's been forgiven. And isn't that the beauty of our God? 
that at the end of every story, at the end of every screw-up, at the end of every failure, it's always, hey, if you turn back and come to me, you're, we're done. We're done because I'm still here because you're worth it. You've always been worth it. You've been worth it since the beginning of time. You've been worth it since before the beginning of time. You've been worth it before the fall. You're worth it after the fall. Jesus is saying, hey, you are worth it all. And that's what makes Jesus the friend of sinners. Because he understood. He understood that you are worth it. And if you are worth more than sparrows... Then you, and you're worth that he gave his life for you. Regardless of what's going on, you're still worth it. And not anybody can come in and tell you that you're not. As the worship team comes up, they're so good. Can we stand? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.